Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, y'all. I am Tressie McMillan-Cottom, the co-host with my friend Roxanne Gay of Here to Slay. And Roxanne and I have an excerpt for you to listen to. This excerpt is from our episode with Dr. Ebony Hilton. And we talk about COVID and especially its effects on Black and Brown communities. If you want to hear more of this episode, and trust me, you want to hear more, you can listen to the entire thing by going to luminary.link slash slay. Do we have the infrastructure to implement this level of sort of granular identification for who should get the vaccine? Like, can we just roll something like this out where we say we're going to vaccinate these margin these marginalized groups and just get it done? We certainly do because so here's the thing. Again, um, we're vaccinating 1.3 million people. It's just not the people that we necessarily mm-hmm. need to be vaccinating. And we already, I, I called this and I've been saying on Twitter, I hope this has not become a Tuskegee 2.0. Because uh-huh. most people, when they think about Tuskegee, they think about it in the wrong way. The, the government wasn't experimenting on us with medication. They were withholding. experimenting on us by withholding that is correct. medication, yeah. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so we've already for the last 12 months been studying why black and brown people die mm-hmm. at higher rates. We know exactly where the communities are that have had these outbreaks since early, mm-hmm. the first um, COVID infection was in January 20th. We had our true spikings in, in March and April. Mm-hmm. We know what communities have had the largest um, rate of infections. We can truly just go straight back to that community and vaccinate those persons because we know that if you get an infection, we're only seeing antibodies being present for maybe three months. So those persons that were infected in March, guess what? You can get reinfected again. Mm-hmm. So you need to be vaccinated. So so yes, we can do it. Mm-hmm. We just choose not to do it. And and America has had always had this problem of where we can list out again age as being a criteria for whether or not we need to protect you. But when it comes down to saying race, and we know race is an independent risk factor for whether or not you live or die in every age group, mm. we refuse to say it. Mm-hmm. We refuse to do it. You mentioned the different age groups, which brought to mind something that I think it's worth teasing out. I keep mm-hmm. seeing these stories of young Black people. I'm talking children and teenagers who are mm-hmm. also being infected and have either that long haul syndrome that we are seeing develop or are dying. This despite the narrative that, oh, no, children are generally safe. This is undergirding everybody's rush to reopen schools, mm-hmm. uh, by the way. The, the fact that children are virtually, if not immune, they're not big carriers, we're told. But which mm-hmm. children are we talking about here? Because at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm seeing children of color having experiences that look a lot like what you just described. Right. I mean, what we know is that 
racial minority children only make up 41 percent of the population, yet 75 percent of the, the children that have died from COVID-19. Mm. Wow. That, and, and it's one of those things, too. If you look at we don't know the long term consequences of COVID-19 mm-hmm. infection. Mm-hmm. And I will say that over and over again. They repeatedly say, oh, well, this is how many people have died. And yes, 441,000 Americans at this point mm-hmm. have died from COVID-19. And that is tragic. Yeah. What we know, though, is that there's another 28 million of us Mm -hmm. that have been infected by COVID-19 that have, quote unquote, survived. And I have people in my ICU right now waiting for a lung transplant Mm -hmm. who have, quote unquote, survived, survived. But their lungs are completely, they are done. Yeah. They Their lungs will never work again. And we have to get them a lung transplant for them to be able to live. But they're not the only ones. There are studies now that are coming out that they actually infected rats with COVID to see what happens, mm-hmm. right? And when these rats passed away, they weren't detecting virus any longer in their lungs, mm-hmm. but they were actually detecting the virus in their brains. That's horrifying question, to me. Horrifying horrible. to think. So for the so for these people who who are losing their sense of taste and smell, and people are like, oh, all I did was lose my taste and smell. Yeah, okay. But what what does that do? Right. That means that, that that virus invaded your neurons. And I don't know why that brings a sense of safety to people, because what does that do to your trajectory of whether or not you're gonna develop Parkinson's? What does it do to your um, trajectory of whether or not you're going to develop um, Alzheimer's? That's what I, that was my first thought. Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. these things are clearly at least originating from the same place. That was my first thought. Like, what mm-hmm. are the waves of neurological diseases we're going to see across the lifespan of, what did you say, 18, 20 million people? Mm-hmm. And, at, and at what age? Yeah. The, if you look at, there were studies at University of Penn that, of their athletes who had mild or asymptomatic COVID-19 infection, so barely any symptoms at all. When they did a scan of their heart, they found that 30% of them had inflammation around the heart. What does that do? Again, if these kids are 19, 20 years old, am I going to see them in my ICU with heart failure-like symptoms at the age of 40 and 50 instead of at the age of 60, 70, 80 that we're seeing with the other generation? We don't know what this has the potential to do. I'm telling you, you've just got me like, I'm, I'm horrified. I'm sorry. No, this is what we need to hear. I think I'm in fear that we haven't been horrified enough. I agree. And we don't hear this information yes. enough. Quite frankly, a lot of this I thought I knew, but mm-hmm. you have shown me some things. Well, I mean, and if you think even prior to this, the problem is, too, is that as far as racial health disparities, Black people, we had higher death rates for nine out of the 15 leading causes of death yeah, before COVID. that's right. Right. As far as Alzheimer's, we were twice as likely to be diagnosed mm-hmm. with Alzheimer's before COVID. Yeah. And so if we are the ones that are getting infected mm-hmm. more so than the general population because of our jobs, um, that we are the essential workers, only one in every five black people can work remotely from home. One in every six Hispanic people can work remotely from home. We have to go out. That's right. Um, we live in mul- multi-generational homes. Yep, we're, yep. Again, mm-hmm. keeping our keeping our family with us. Because of all that, um, the compounding effect of we were already having worse outcomes with the other things, mm-hmm. this is just going to add to it, So, which makes, means that we have to push to say we refuse to let our circumstance of being a minority in this community, in this community of this nation, um, be ignored. Mm-hmm. We know that it's not anything genetically wrong with us. Yes. No yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so key yeah. to me that, because mm-hmm. what has been done rhetorically in the discourse around COVID is what has been done to us 
over and over and over again, which is they hide the racist implications and assumptions in words like comorbidity. Right. Mm -hmm. That's where it must is something genetic about us. Mm There's something about our poor lifestyle choices. Right. It is something about us locating the problem in us. And that to me has given so much cover for horribly racism hiding in plain sight discourse around COVID. So answer me this, Dr. Ebony Hilton, if you do not mind. (laughs) Yeah. Why are you so good at saying this and nobody else is? <laughs> I'm dead because serious. I am black. Uh-huh. I, honestly, it's because I fit the demographic yeah. of the people that's being disparate. Mm-hmm. Like when when um, and I don't think I'm alone in that. If you ask any black doctor, yeah. we all have our Ph.D. in the social determinants of health because we have to navigate this system. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a single parent home. I completely understand what it means to not go and see a doctor mm-hmm. because my mama didn't have money to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and at the same token, it's, it's one of those things that's frustrating because what we know is that implicit bias plays a part too in whether or not black and brown people live or die. If you look at the Virginia Department of Health, they have actually charts up that shows what's the rate of people that are coming in complaining of symptoms mm-hmm. of COVID-19 and then what's the rate of people getting hospitalized for uh-huh. symptoms of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And what they saw was that in, in order of who's coming more often complaining of symptoms to the emergency department, Latinos, mm-hmm. then black, then white. Mm-hmm. But when they saw who was actually getting hospitalized, it was white, then black, then Latino. Meaning and who is being testing. listened to and being, Two. okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because, and that's yeah. you know, the thing is about racial disparity, we also know that we're not believed about our pain. Right. Completely. We're not believed about our symptoms. A black doctor Mm-hmm. died because mm-hmm. her colleagues did not believe her mm-hmm. and the Dr. nurses Moore. were intimidated. Right. You know, so this right. brings me to the issue of equity because what the healthcare industry needs so desperately, not only now, but has long needed, is equity. And you've called on President Biden to name a secretary of equity in the White House. Yes. And I think that is a bold but incredibly necessary proposal. And one of those things where you think, why doesn't this I was this about exist? to say, shouldn't somebody have already been on that? <laughs> right. What would that look like? It would look as a secretary that's just like the secretary of, of education. Uh-huh. The Department of Defense has 740, I think, billion dollars uh-huh. as far as their budget. If we had that much money to try to figure out why disparities lie mm-hmm. across the board in education, law, health, wealth, mm-hmm. transportation, housing. I mean, it literally is in every division. And it's because of those, you know, I have a consulting firm, um, Good Stock Consulting. We literally say when a person comes to the hospital, they don't come into the hospital because they're healthy. They come into the hospital because they're sick, which means that health happens outside of the hospital. Mm-hmm. If you're living in a in a zip code that is high pollution because of the industrialization that's allowed to happen and the spewing of toxins in your air and water, Flint, Michigan, Mm -hmm. um, then then we can't be surprised when health outcomes follow that. You know, when we're talking about even the linkage of education and wealth attainment, and if you don't have money, then you can't afford, again, preventative care measures because I have to think if I'm going to eat or pay for my, you know, my copay. Or even if we're thinking of how does the the lack of food and natural food right, areas right. and food deserts, how that mm-hmm. plays into whether or not someone lives or dies, 
those are the things that we try to tackle. And that's what the Secretary of Equity should also be looking at. When we have policies that are coming out of the Department of Education, the Department mm-hmm. of Housing, there should be an equity lens tied to every metric that our tax dollars are going to pay for. That is mm-hmm. so straightforward to right. me. That is. I mean, that's just linear and straightforward. Because what happens now uh, is that there is not an executive level oversight on equity, which mm-hmm. is why equity requirements change from administration to administration. Mm-hmm. In an area like one that I spent a lot of time on, the Department of Education for eight years, uh, for example, under a Barack Obama, can be mm-hmm. extremely progressive and equity focused. But it only takes a change at the president's level to reverse Mm -hmm. all of that, which is what happens with a Betsy DeVos. So what a secretary of equity would do, this was the first thing I thought when you said this, Mm -hmm. uh, Ebony, is that it would have some continuity of equity across administration. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's key. Mm -hmm. And accountability. Yeah. Again, the problem in America, too, is that racial minority groups are considered an other still. Yeah. The qualifier that we have to say, I'm, I'm um, African-American, I'm Black American, I'm Hispanic American, which mm-hmm. means that the default is white. We got to change that up. It, you know, we are citizens just as well. We need to be included in policies just as well. Our, our life story and everything that makes up needs to be included when we are taking our tax dollars mm-hmm. and giving it to the government and say, form these policies then we need an equity lens that is tied to that tax dollar. And and with that, as you as you just stated, we know that President Biden went in and started writing executive orders. Day one. To, uh, to, mm-hmm. to day one. Yeah. <laughs> to undo all this mess. If we had a standing Department of Equity, mm-hmm. that those persons are not tied to any politician, mm-hmm. we can actually stop reporting the same disparities yeah. for the next generation and start doing some work, some accountability tied to it. But yeah. every year we say the same numbers. You can listen to that full interview with Dr. Hilton, and it's a good one, by going to luminary.link slash slay. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.